The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. After suffering another legal defeat at a federal appellate court, President Donald Trump's last legal hope in his years-long fight to keep his finances private is now the Supreme Court. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that Deutsche Bank and Capital One must comply with subpoenas from House committees seeking a wide range of Trump's financial records. During oral arguments in the case, the attorney for the House, Douglas Letter, explained that a broad subpoena was necessary in the investigation into financial fraud and money laundering. We're talking about the, some of the press has reported, for instance, about $20 billion of Russian money that is being laundered, etc., We're talking about two banks that have themselves paid very, very large fines because they have engaged in the past in um, what we think is illegal activity tied in with money laundering, hiding assets, etc. So we are doing an extremely broad investigation. It's the third appellate court loss for Trump in his high-stakes court battles over his financial records. Joining me is Neil Kinkoff, a professor at Georgia State University College of Law and a former special assistant to the U.S. Attorney General. So, Neil, what was the basis of the Second Circuit's decision here? The basis was that Congress has the authority to investigate and to compel people to participate in their investigations. And so this is a long-established power. It's one that has largely gone unquestioned throughout our history until President Trump has decided to question whether or not that power can extend to investigations of the president in either his personal or official capacity. But the Second Circuit resoundingly rejected that argument with respect to investigating the president's personal finances. So the court said that Congress was acting within its constitutional authority to investigate a series of significant issues, including whether President Trump was vulnerable to foreign exploitation. Is that a key factor of the ruling? The court recognized a wide range of legitimate interests that Congress was pursuing in issuing these subpoenas. So the one that you mentioned was the justification for the subpoena issued by the Intelligence Committee. It also upheld a subpoena issued by the Financial Services Committee, which is investigating money laundering and the bank's that are under subpoena, Deutsche Bank and Capital One, both have been found to have engaged in money laundering. And there is real reason to suspect that their dealings with Donald Trump relate to those money laundering activities. And so both of those are legitimate grounds for investigation. And both of those provide legitimate grounds for Congress seeking the president's financial records. 
The court didn't have to rule on it, but it also noted the subpoena that had been issued by the House Oversight Committee seeking financial records relating to things like the emoluments clause and agreed with the court that upheld those subpoenas as within Congress's legitimate authority. So in this case, the court really recognized very broad, legitimate congressional power to seek these records. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Is the president losing these cases because he's taking this broad, absolute immunity position in the courts? Yes, but his lawyers aren't limiting themselves to that broad argument. They also make narrower arguments. I don't think it helps their narrower arguments that they've made these very broad arguments, but they're losing on the narrower arguments as well. So, for example, in this case, the court engaged in a kind of balancing, looking at Congress's legitimate interest in receiving the documents that they've subpoenaed and looking at the president's legitimate interests in privacy. And the court held overwhelmingly that Congress's interest outweighs the president's interest in privacy. The the Second Circuit was careful to note that there might be some documents where that balance would come out the other way. It identified certain categories of documents and then asked the district court to go back and look at documents within those very narrow categories. But as I say, overwhelmingly, the documents that the committees have, have subpoenaed have to be turned over. Judge Deborah Ann Livingston dissented in the case. What did Mm -hmm. she base her dissent on? So her dissent was more of a quibble, right? So she did not accept the broad argument that the president is completely immune from congressional process. Instead, her dissent was on the grounds that she would have applied a different standard for whether or not to grant a preliminary injunction, a um, slightly lower standard that would have been more favorable to the president. And then she wanted the district court to do more fact work. So she was not holding that the president can withhold documents, even on her theory and her lower standard. Instead, she wanted the district court to go back and do more factual research into how important Congress's interest was versus how important the president's privacy interest was. The majority ruled that Congress's interests are sufficiently weighty based on the record already in front of us, and there's no need to go back and do that that balancing. This is the third appellate court ruling against Trump with regard to his financial records. The D.C. appellate court upheld the validity of a congressional subpoena for Trump's financial records. And the Second Circuit, another panel, upheld the validity of a subpoena from the New York District Attorney. Is the reasoning in all these cases similar? Yes, very similar. And the consistent theme is Congress has a legitimate oversight and investigation role that all of us have to comply with subpoenas that Congress issues when they act within those roles, and that the president is not above the law. And those themes have come out in each and every one of those opinions and have driven them. And in fact, these have all been really easy cases. The 
president has made arguments that the courts shouldn't countenance and that the courts have unanimously and repeatedly not countenanced. So now the only avenue left seems to be the Supreme Court, and there are the two other cases already at the Supreme Court as Donald Trump asked the court to hear them. And this case may end up there as well. Is the court likely to grant cert in these cases? Yes, the court is likely to grant cert in these cases. These cases involve questions of executive privilege, and the Supreme Court has only rarely spoken to those questions. They also involve questions relating to the scope of Congress's power to conduct investigations and oversight. And because that power has been just so broadly assumed for so many decades and even centuries, there's actually very little case law out there where parties have questioned it. So there's not an awful lot on these questions in the U.S. reports, the reports of Supreme Court opinions. These should be easy cases, but I note that the composition of the Supreme Court right now is such that there is a majority of justices who have real experience as executive power advocates. And so it is entirely possible that while these should be easy wins for Congress, the justices on the Supreme Court may take a different and divergent view, one that diverges from the commonly held historical understanding of Congress's power. Thanks, Neil. That's Neil Kinkoff of the Georgia State University College of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.